Welcome, I'm Pastor Abraham, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Sun Valley Podcast. You can check out our church on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for worship thoughts, devotionals, and the latest events happening at our church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Today we are, we are going through, through our series, right? We're going through uh, our journey through the Bible, and we're exploring some of the major and minor stories and writings of the Bible uh, from Genesis to Revelation, and, and we're discovering through these stories uh, something rather peculiar, something amazing, something radical, and it is this, this love of Jesus. You see, the entirety of the Bible, the entirety of God's Word serves one singular purpose, just one, and its purpose is to point us to the work of Jesus, this work of redemption, of mercy, of grace, of forgiveness, a work that is setting all things right in the world that brings this kingdom of peace and love and restoration. And so today we're continuing uh, our, our look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was this prophet that, that ministered to the nation of Judah in the time that Assyria had destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and was beginning to conquer much of the Judean countryside. And so Isaiah prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple at the hands of the Babylonians that were going to be coming after the Assyrians. And he also prophesies this justice against the corrupt nations that surrounded Judah. He prophesied this this hope and this deliverance from the Babylonian exile, this God who would come to save his people. But but Isaiah prophesied something else, uh, because Judah is not blameless. They are not perfect by any means. And, And in some of Isaiah's writings, we find that the prophet begins to call out the people and the leaders of Judah for abandoning God and turning to other idols, putting their trust in other things. And so there's a series of woes if you read your Bible, you might, you might read them as woes in chapters 28 to 31. And, and this word woe is a Hebrew exclamation. Uh, there is no real good translation for the word. The, the word woe really is this Hebrew word just hoy. And it sounds funny, but, but it's, it's this word that professional criers, that was a thing back then, would cry out during funeral processions. So back in the olden times, there used to be people that, would, that you would pay, and these people would walk alongside the casket or the body or the burial or whatever, and they would proclaim, and they would scream out, and they would cry, and it was, it was kind of a payment to, to kind of exemplify or to, to make it bigger the lament, the mourning that happens when someone dies. And so one of the things that was often said or exclaimed was this word hoy. It was this wool. The idea is very significantly tied to funeral processions and mourning and death. It's this idea that that is tied to that. And so Isaiah begins to to speak these woes to the people of Judah. And so we begin our our first one in in chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 14. Isaiah 28, verse 14. It should be available on the screen for you there. If you guys want to follow along with us, uh, reading from the NIV, it says here, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, you boast. Your boast is this, verse 15, we have entered into a covenant with death. With the realm of the dead, we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sleeps by, it can't touch us. For we have made a lie our refuge and a falsehood our hiding place. 
Verse 16, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge that lie and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. It will be broken. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. Verse 20, one of my favorite verses. The bed is too short to stretch out on, the blanket too narrow to wrap around you. So we're going to go to Isaiah. Before we unpack this, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 30. We're going to jump ahead. We're going to be jumping back and forth here to see these woes. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 to 11 says this, Go now, write it on a tablet for them, for the people, inscribe it on a scroll, that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. For these Judeans, these people, are a rebellious people. They are deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And they say to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Very bright. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. That's what the Judeans say. So Isaiah begins to proclaim these woes on the people of Judah. Man, that's bright. Let's take a step back for a second. Isaiah proclaims these woes on the people of Judah, and he warns them of where these people, the Judeans, are putting their trust in. Right? He says, listen, you've made this covenant with death. You've made this pact with the realm of the dead, because you think that if you make a truce with death, you'll be protected from death. That's what Isaiah says. If you make this pact, this covenant with death, then clearly death can't touch you. But Isaiah says that's not actually true. You are making your refuge a lie, a falsehood, your hiding place. He says, in fact, when the scourge, when troubles, when trials, when tribulations, when pestilence, when disaster comes by, it'll sweep over you. As often as it comes by, he says, it will destroy you. Because this covenant with death is a lie. There is no shelter here. And he warns them of the agreement that they've made in chapter 28. He says, destruction is going to come if you don't change your ways. If you keep trusting in these things that have no power, then destruction will come. Because the people at the time, Isaiah was telling them, listen, you need to change your ways, you need to repent because this destruction is coming from Babylon. And the people were like, we don't need to worry about that. We actually have a treaty with the nation of Egypt. We've made an alliance with Egypt if Babylon comes by, the Egyptians will swoop in and they'll save us and then we'll have their chariots and their horsemen and their archers and we'll have the entire army of Egypt at our disposal. We don't need to worry about the Babylonians that aren't even around yet. So they boasted in their political alliances. And not only that, it wasn't just political alliances. They put their trust in foreign gods. They were trusting in the gods of Egypt to save them. And so Isaiah mocks them. And he says, you've made an agreement with death. You may lie a refuge. These political alliances, they won't save you. You are putting your trust in these false gods and these foreign nations, these, these idols, these political powers, they don't actually have power at all. That's what Isaiah is saying. And so in chapter 30, we see that people don't want anything to do with God. 
They're like, listen, we don't want it. The people worshiped Yahweh. They were worshiping God, but only in name because they were worshiping other idols alongside them. They were doing all these other things that they shouldn't have been doing. And so they were worshiping Yahweh only in name. They weren't actually following what God had asked them to do. It was just an empty religion, an empty worshiper and, and worship. And, and when the seers, these people who prophesied stuff, who gave visions, who gave direction and wisdom and guidance, when the seers and the prophets come by, they say, enough. We don't want to hear it. Don't tell me what I should do. Don't tell me how I should change. Don't tell me what I should be doing. They said, we don't want to hear it. They say, just preach to us platitudes. You guys know what platitudes are? Like nice things. Things that make me comfortable. Things that don't push me out of my comfort zone. Things that don't shift me or focus me or force me to view things differently. They just preach to us platitudes. They say, tell us pleasant things. Tell us how well we're doing. Prophesy illusions, they said. Because the people, they would rather be told a lie that they knew was a lie than to confront the reality of their sin and turn in repentance. Because it's easier to be told you're doing well than to have to realize that you're not doing so well and change and turn around. So they're putting their trust in these idols and these powerless nations. And so here's our first lesson for today. Our first lesson is this. Empty promises provide poor warmth. Empty promises provide poor warmth. You see, Isaiah wants us to know this. Putting our trust in anything other than God doesn't end well for us. The empty security that the world and foreign nations and all these idols, the thing that they attempt to provide doesn't actually provide real protection. The empty security or the promises of an empty religion of sacrifices and religious rites cannot provide the security we long for. Just coming to church alone isn't enough. Religious practices without real worship, without worshiping from the heart, without obedience to God's love, it's just empty religion. Without Jesus, all of this Everything we do just becomes pleasant lies and empty illusions. And so Isaiah says something so striking in chapter 28, verse 20, and it sticks out so much that this is really the, the entire inspiration for the whole sermon. He says this, chapter 28, verse 20, he says, The bed is too short to stretch out on, the blanket too narrow to wrap around you. Have you guys ever tried sleeping on a short bed? I don't know if you guys have ever, short beds are really not a thing. Maybe a short couch. Have you ever tried taking a nap on a couch that's too short for you? Your, leg are, your legs are like propped up and you just can't seem to get comfortable. I don't know about you guys, but I, I've done it sometimes. You know, your, your feet kind of dangle off the edge. You struggle to find rest. You can't really, I like either, either your neck's up or your legs are up and you're not really finding comf comfort in, in, the, in this short bed or, or short sofa or whatever. Or, or what about like narrow blankets? I don't know, I'm sure most of you guys have pretty decent blankets, but I remember one time I slept at a friend's house. This was an unexpected sleepover. I didn't really plan to stay the night, but I ended up having to. And so they gave me this tiny blanket. Felt like it was for like their baby brother or something. And so I tried covering my shoulders with it. And the second I pulled up the blanket to my shoulders, everything below my knees was exposed. And the minute I tried covering my legs, everything above my belly was exposed. I got very little sleep that night. And if, if any of you guys are married, 
You might relate to having to struggle with sharing a blanket with your spouse, right? Those of you who are married know. And, and you've woken up at some point in time, one of you, because usually it's just the one. <laughs> you wake up in the middle of the night and you're cold because half of your blanket is gone and your partner is peacefully snuggled up, wrapped around like a little burrito, while your entire body is exposed to the elements. So this is why. One of the pieces of advice I always give young couples whenever they're about to get married, I always say this, get a blanket larger than your bed size. <laughs> That's always my advice. If you have a queen, get a king-size blanket. If you have a king, I don't know, you're pretty blessed. <laughs> a king's pretty, <laughs> if you can afford a king and have the space for a king, I mean, you're doing pretty well. But if you have a queen, get a king-size blanket. You won't be struggling with blankets any longer. And, and I hate to dig on my wife, but Somehow, I don't know what happens, the blankets tend to end up all on her side. And so I end up like half my body, the blankets are like strung across and then half my body is exposed. And, and when I'm cold, I can't sleep very well. And so you can imagine Isaiah as he's preaching this there, the bed is too short, the blanket is too narrow to wrap around you. You can imagine the discomfort that he's trying to portray, Right? You can imagine the, the, the feeling of uneasiness, of lack of comfort, of lack of protection, of lack of warmth that he's trying to tell you. And he says that this is what happens when you trust in these idols, when you trust in these other nations, when you trust in these things that aren't God, it's like trying to find comfort and rest in a bed that is too short with a blanket that is too narrow. Not just a bed that's too short with a really large blanket, not just a bed that's long enough with a really small blanket. He says a bed that's too short with, compounded by, added by a blanket that's too narrow. He says if you're looking for shelter from your difficulties and your problems, if you're looking for a way to weather the pains and the storms and the sufferings of this world, he says you will not find it in the things that the world offers you. You will not find it in an empty religion without Jesus. Isaiah says money and power and success, positions, titles, influence, fame. He says none of that can provide real warmth. None of it can provide real shelter. He says they only provide the illusion of comfort. It looks like they might provide something, but when you get there, the bed is too short and the blanket is too narrow. Isaiah says they only provide the illusion of comfort because empty promises provide poor warmth. So we keep reading this woe, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10. Isaiah 30, verse 10, we're going to read this again. It says, they say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things, prophesy illusions to us. Leave this way, get off this path, stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. So therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, because you have relied on oppression and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break like pieces of pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces, not a fragment will be found for taking holes from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. 
Isaiah warns the people again, as destruction is coming, when, you, when, when you're rejecting the opportunities of the Holy One of Israel, when you're rejecting the repentance, when you're rejecting the guidance and the wisdom, he says, destruction is coming. And so in chapter 28, he says, this covenant with death, this covenant with these powers and these idols, they cannot protect you. When an overwhelming scourge, when, when disaster comes upon you, he said, Isaiah says, the only sure foundation is God. Not these other things. Not these other objects or titles or money or foreign nations or idols. He says, none of those things can provide a sure foundation. And here in chapter 30, he tells them, because you have rejected God's message, the sin that you are living in will become like a cracked and bulging wall that is built unstable. This wall that you think provides shelter, this wall that you think provides comfort will suddenly and unexpectedly collapse. And it says so mercilessly will it collapse, so suddenly will it collapse that no piece of it will be useful for anything. Completely destroyed. And this is our second lesson today. Our second lesson is this. Weak foundations provide poor shelter. Weak foundations provide poor shelter. You see, Isaiah is telling this people that they are trying to find shelter in a covenant founded with death. Because when you promise, when you make promises and covenants, and you, when you make death your foundation, that can't protect you from itself. It can't protect you from death. And trying to find shelter behind cracked and bulging walls built on sin, built on ignorance, built on illusions, they also won't hold up. The shelters that the people of Judah are finding are inadequate. That's what Isaiah says. He says the, the, the shelters, the comfort, all these things that you've been hearing, these illusions, these pleasant things, he says they are not adequate. You will find no shelter in your pact with death. You will find no comfort in the prophecies that only speak illusions of peace. He says, when the scourge, when disaster sweeps by, it will overtake you despite your covenant, despite your promises, despite your prophecies of illusions. He says, the wall will come crumbling down despite all of that. So when we build our foundations in empty promises, when we build our foundations in sin, we are going to be left without any protection, without anything to stand on. You see, the wall comes tumbling down in an instant, and this illusion of a wall will be so destroyed that even its pieces will be utterly useless. So when we place our trust, this is what Isaiah is saying, when we place our trust in these powerless things, when we build our shelters and our comfort in things instead of God, Isaiah says they cannot last. They will come down suddenly. Isaiah is saying you cannot build a strong wall without good bricks and good mortar. You cannot build a good wall without a good foundation. Isaiah says that when your foundation is crooked, when your foundation is cracked, you risk the safety of the entirety of the structure that is built on this weak foundation. If we choose to continue building on a weak foundation, we will inevitably have to face the crumbled ruins of our own shelters. Let me tell you this. You can build on weak foundations. You shouldn't, but you can. You can build on weak foundations. The shelter will hold up for a while. If you build a, on a cracked foundation, on an unlevel foundation, if you build a wall that is cracked and bulging, it'll hold up for a while. But the purpose of a shelter is to protect you from the elements. 
The purpose of a shelter is to protect you from the storms and the winds of life. And so foundations or shelters that are built on weak foundations, they might stand for a while when things are good, but when the rain comes down, when the wind starts to blow, when the elements begin to weather away at your shelter, you will find that the safety and comfort that you found is compromised. See, times of peace often lull us into a false sense of security. When things are good, we rejoice in this shelter and this foundation that we found, but the strength and the stability of a shelter and a foundation are not measured in times where there is no stress, in times when the sun is shining and life is beautiful. The true measure of a strong foundation becomes apparent when it is put to the test, when it is put through stressors, when it is put through weathering. If it can hold up to all of that, then you've got a good foundation. But if it crumbles under stress, if it crumbles under the storms, if it crumbles under the scourge, you've got a weak foundations. And weak foundations provide very poor shelter. So what's Isaiah's solution? Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Isaiah 28, verse 16 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. This is for a sure foundation. The one who relies on this cornerstone will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Isaiah says that there is a stone, there is a precious stone that is laid to ensure that God's people have a sure foundation. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 42, we're going to read that Jesus begins to quote Psalm 118, and he claims to be that cornerstone. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42 says this, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone and the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus says, I am the cornerstone. I am the sure and tested stone. And Isaiah repeats this throughout the woes in chapter 28 and 29, that building our foundation, putting our trust in anything that is not God is foolishness. He says, the only sure foundation that is strong enough to stand the stressors and the weathering and the destruction and the problems that come in your life, the only thing that is strong enough to stand sin and death is that precious cornerstone. It is Jesus. Nothing else can stand against the stuff the world throws at us. And so here's our final lesson for today. Our final lesson is this. We find shelter in Jesus. You see, nothing, nothing in this world will grant us complete immunity from difficulties and pains. If there was something that could prevent you from experiencing difficulties and pains, believe me, I would share it with you. But there is nothing. We cannot prevent the storms and the weathering and the stressors from occurring around us any more than we can control the weather right now. This is kind of the unfortunate side effect of living in a world of sin. We can't control the circumstances of our life, but we can find shelter. We can find shelter from those difficulties. We can find a way to make it despite the storms that are raging all around us. And what Isaiah says, and what the Bible really as a whole tells us repeatedly again and again and again, is that the only sure hope 
The only sure foundation, the only strong enough shelter is Jesus. The only comfort and protection is found in Jesus. We can try putting all of our hopes and trust in all those other things. We can make idols out of objects and ideas and titles and possessions, and we can hope that they'll provide us enough shelter. But what we see repeatedly throughout the story, through Isaiah's messages, is that no matter how many times we put our trust in those things, those powerless things will always fail us. There is no hope and security that those things can provide. They can't provide warmth or shelter. They provide something, it's the illusion of warmth and shelter. It's the illusion of, of comfort, but it's inadequate. Isaiah says the bed is too short. It seems like it's good enough. There's something there, but it's too short. The blanket is too narrow. He says when you're building on unstable foundations, when you're surrounded by walls that are bulging and cracking, they'll come tumbling down unexpectedly. Isaiah says perhaps the reason that things aren't working out in our lives is because we're building on the wrong foundation. Perhaps the reason that we seem tossed by the winds and the storms of life and we're not making it through is because we're placing our trust and giving our hearts to the wrong thing. See, Jesus tells this parable, Matthew chapter 7, it records it for us. And it's this parable of the wise and the foolish builder. And it goes like this. Jesus is speaking, verse chap chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 24. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against the house, yet the house did not fall down because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and the house fell with a great crash. You see, both men, both men wanted security. Both men built a shelter. Both men were hit by a storm. The only difference between the wise and the foolish man was where the wise man chose to build his foundation. The one who builds his foundation in the word of God, in the love of Jesus, weathers the storm. The one who ignores God's messages and puts his trust in other things is swept away, the story says. The house comes crashing down. We find shelter in Jesus. You see, Jesus is the really, really the only real shelter because his promises are never empty. He is the cornerstone. He is the tried and tested stone on which we can build our foundation, our lives, our hopes, and our ambitions. And this is the message of Isaiah. This is our final reading for today. Chapter 30, verse 18. Isaiah 30, 18 says this, Yet the Lord, despite this, despite the fact that you've rejected God's message, despite the fact that you've built your, your, your shelters on crooked foundations, despite the fact that you're trusting in these bulging and cracking walls, despite the fact that you're continuing to live in sin and ignoring the, the, the cause of God and just asking for prophecies of illusions, despite this, Isaiah says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, the Lord will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious will he be when you cry for help? As soon as he hears, God will answer you. 
Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will hear them, you will see them, and you will listen to their words. When you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold and you will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you, I want nothing to do with you because you are powerless, because you are weak, because you can provide nothing. And even as the woes are declared on Judah, God longs to show compassion towards his people. I invite the band to come on up as we begin to close. God begins to, to answer the cries of his people. He longs to be our guide. He longs to guide us through life's paths. He longs to instruct us and tell us where we should go. And when we come to experience the actual real shelter that is God, when we come to experience the sure foundation, we respond to God by throwing away those powerless idols, by throwing away the things that only ever served to fail us. But as long as we keep putting our trust in other things, we will constantly find ourselves disappointed because empty promises provide poor warmth. And really, that's all the world can offer. Because riches, they come and go. Jobs and titles, they're gained and lost. All the things of the world, they're transitory. They're unsatisfactory. They don't last forever. Anything that exists entirely separately apart from God isn't secure enough to provide you the comfort and the warmth that you need. And Isaiah tells us, that when we put our trust in those things instead of, of, instead of, uh, of with God, it's like trying to find rest in a bed that is too short with a blanket that is too narrow. There is a semblance, an illusion of warmth. It seems like it provides something. But Isaiah says when we put our trust in those things, we're really just left exposed. We're really just left unprotected. And to build our lives on these empty promises, on these idols, it's foolish because weak foundations provide poor shelter. Again, we can build on the illusion of security that the world offers, and it might hold out for a while. The storms might come, and it might hold out for a while. But over time, these weak foundations, these weathered shelters begin to break apart and topple. No matter how secure our shelter seems, if the foundation is unleveled, if it is cracked and weak, the whole structure is at risk. And Isaiah warns us that trusting in our sins, ignoring God's warning, is like putting your trust in a cracked and bulging wall. It comes down suddenly and mercilessly, and it leaves us trying to pick up the pieces. But the story tells us that all hope isn't lost. The world might not be able to offer you anything substantial, but the Bible in Isaiah says something different. He says, there is someone you can put your trust in. The world can't offer you shelter and protection, but there is someone who can. The story of the Bible tells us that we find shelter in Jesus. We can build our lives on the solid rock, on the level foundation, on this tried and tested cornerstone and we aren't guaranteed that storms won't come. In the parable of the wise and the foolish builder, the storm comes for both people. The waters rise to dangerous levels, but the one that survived, the shelter that survived was the one that was founded and rooted in Jesus. You see, God longs to be our answer. God longs to be our protector. God longs to be our shelter. 
But when we put our trust in the things of the world, in the things that we've made into our own idols, we forfeit that shelter. And the beautiful thing of the story is that God promises not only to be the shelter and the protector, but he also promises that when we forfeit that protection, when we choose the idols, when we choose the things of the world, God promises, even when the things fail you, I will help you rebuild. I will help you pick up the pieces. God promises not only to protect us, but also to rebuild us when our own choices leave us broken. You see, in God, we find assurance. In God, we find shelter. And when we build our lives on the rock, on their cornerstone that is Jesus, the story tells us that we can weather any storm. Amen.